Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit hopechurchmemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. Who's that? Mom. You think of mom? Yeah. Hugging a friend? Hugging my friends? You care about somebody? I love my mom. My parents, they love me a lot. That everyone should love each other. That means love is for God and like everybody, like, like when I have so much fun and I love it. Like when, uh, when our birthday starts, I love the decorations and I love the presents, like all that stuff, yeah. It's all about love. What is love? I don't know. Don't know Is there anybody that tells you they love you? Nobody <laughs> tells you they love you? Not even your mommy? No. No? Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> okay. Never follow a kid, I'm telling you that. That's, that, can be, that can be very troublesome. You know, we all, we all have holiday stories. Now, some of them are good, some of them are bad. Uh, growing up, decorating the house was like the biggest thing of the year for us. We'd haul out these, these boxes of ornaments and stockings and lights, and we'd spend a whole day transforming the house. It was such a production that we would put music to it. Usually Nat King Cole. My mother loved Nat King Cole. Eric, can you help me there a little bit? The, the most high and holy moment came when we set up the nativity scene on this black coffee table in the living room. I can still see it. We lived in a little house uh, in Colonial Acres on the corner of Vern and Ivy, 4870 Vern Road. Mom, Dad, my grandmother Hucky, my brother David, and me. And, and each year, when we would set up the nativity scene, we'd turn down the lights, we'd have this music on, and very reverently, we would put every figure into its place. Now, the irony of this near sacrament in our home was the vicious fight that would transpire between my brother David and I over who would put baby Jesus in the manger. Baby Jesus took a vicious beating. There were hostage situations. But eventually, we would restore peace, and at least for a time, there would be what I would call a sacred moment. The family's gathered, the music is playing, Jesus is in the manger. Thank you for that, Eric. Well, that was a long time ago. We moved out of that house when I was about 11. Hucky passed in 1985. Mom died in 2001. Dad died in 2006. But even as I think about the nativity scene in the living room at 4870 Vern Road, the moment is, is still magic to me. Christmas is magic. Not, not Disney magic, but something else. Something more, really. Something that has not only the visual magic of the snow and the star and the lights and the nativity scene, but there's a soul magic to Christmas. 
The season of Advent allows us to reflect on that magic. The word Advent is taken from the Latin and it means coming. Advent tells us that a visitor is on his way. Advent is about expectant waiting. And I hate waiting. I hate waiting. This is the view I had on I-40 last month, <laughs> about halfway to Little Rock. Now, the, those, are, those, those vehicles were not moving. That was my view for 45 minutes. We didn't move an inch. Now, that day, I wasn't in any particular hurry, nor was I anticipating something I, I was afraid I might miss, like a Tiger game or a Taylor Swift concert or something like that. <laughs> But when I am waiting and anticipating, it's, it's, a, it's a whole nother thing. On October 3rd, Patty and I went to visit my doctor to get the results of a, of a biopsy that he had performed a week before. He cut to the chase pretty quick. He said I needed surgery. He said that his scheduler would call in the next couple of days to schedule the surgery. Two days later, Patty and I were standing in the Memphis airport about to board a plane to Chicago uh, where we were gonna celebrate our 75th wedding anniversary. <laughs> it's, it's actually our 46, but it, it feels like 75 to Patty, trust me. I love you. Well, the doctor's office called while we're standing there in the concourse, and it was the scheduler. Uh, and, and it was Thursday, okay? Went to the dock on Tuesday, it's Thursday, and she said this, we've had a cancellation, can you come in Monday for your surgery? I immediately said, yes. Why? I hate to wait. And there was great anticipation in my heart about getting this done, I need to get this done. She said, super, uh, you'll need to come in today or tomorrow for your blood work. I said, well, unless one of these flight attendants is willing to draw my blood, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to look at another date. In the end, I had to wait and anticipate three and a half more weeks. Now, what are we waiting for in great anticipation during Advent? Well, it's Jesus. It's way better than surgery. And we're gonna use the weekly theme of the Advent candle to direct our attention. And today we're gonna talk about what I consider a vital element of the magic of Christmas. That element is love. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that on Christmas he gave his only begotten son. What can we say about the magic of love in this Advent season? Several things. First of all, the magic of love is often found in simplicity. It's often found in simplicity. In our very complicated world, the birth of Jesus is simple. It is above all things ordinary. The birth of any one of us in this room today was, was much more complex than the birth of Jesus. Unless you were delivered in a taxi, you were probably born in a very modern climate-controlled hospital with doctors and nurses and monitors and technology. When you were delivered, you were whisked away from your mother to be tended to and to be evaluated. You were given a score on how well you were doing. And then you were wrapped up tight, put in a plexiglass crib under some lights like the ones that keep your fries warm behind the counter. 
Jesus' birth was much simpler. Luke 2, 6 says this. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Do you think that God might have been telling us something when he came in such simplicity? Now, I, I do know that most every baby born in that time was born more simply than we have been born. But I, I'm not talking about medical procedures. I'm talking about the king of kings coming in such a peaceful and such a humble way. And see, love is like that. There's a beautiful simplicity to it. Have you made loving God too hard to actually do? Could you simplify it this Christmas season? Because see, the magic of God's love is often found in the simplicity of it all. Here's the second thought about love this Christmas season. The magic of God's love is often found in silence. In silence. A few years ago, I, the radio in my car just died and for weeks. I'd find myself out of habit still turning it on all the time. And it wasn't that I was missing the music or the talk. The silence was killing me. It was killing me. I am wired for auditory stimulation, and silence does not work too well for me. If you know something about me, I, I, I prepare all my sermons in a public place, in a mall or in a, in a, in a coffee shop. I like, I like people around me. I like to hear things. But the magic of love at Christmas allows for silence. It's a strange thing, but there are points during this time of year where I let silence in. And the great benefit of silence for me is that often it is in silence when I'm closest to God. In silence, my brain is not trying to absorb what Lester Holt just said on the news or trying to remember the artist that is singing, the song that is playing. Silence. At the end of the Christmas story in Luke 2, there's one last comment about Mary, Jesus' mother. The journey to Bethlehem has been made. The baby has been born in the stable. The angels have done their thing on the hillside. The shepherds have visited Jesus. And we're left with Mary. And Luke writes these words in Luke 2, 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Here's the way the message says it. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. Do you let the love of God at Christmas sink in? Do you allow it to live deep within yourself? Or are you just too busy? When was the last time you were silent? Can, can you recall? When, when my children needed to tell me something and I was too busy to listen because I was running my mouth or doing something else. You know what they do? So simple, so childlike, frankly, so bold and extremely effective. They'd look me straight in the eye. They would grab my face and they would pull it up to their face so that I could see them only and hear them only. This season, allow God to pull 
his face next to yours so that you can see only him and hear only him. This is the season for that. The magic of God's love is often found in the silence. Here's another one. The magic of God's love can be found in the tree. Now that sounds really weird. Let me explain it. In some faith traditions, families set up little places of reverence in their homes. Places where you may come as a family or in, in solitude to reflect or, or, or to pray. My mother-in-law took a closet in her home and did just that. There was a kneeling bench, there was a Bible, there were some crosses, and usually a little devotional book in there. I, I've never had anything like that in my home. But in some strange way, each Christmas, a couple of times during the season, I find myself plopping down in front of the Christmas tree of all things with the lights and the music playing and everyone else is asleep and it becomes this magic time of spiritual reflection for me. In the darkness and in the quiet, it becomes my own little prayer closet. I do it every year and it's always amazed me. Now, now this kind of weirds out some of my more theologically rigid colleagues. To them, they make sure I know that the Christmas tree is much more pagan than it is Christian. It doesn't represent Jesus to them as much as it represents Santa. And the real far out friends will always remind me that if you rearrange the letters of Santa, you have Satan which is both true and a really weird thing to do. <laughs> As an aside, I usually take that moment to inform them that if you rearrange the words in the Nicene Creed that you have a Lady Gaga song, <laughs> which of course you don't, but it's so much fun to watch them think about it and try to figure that out. But a few years back, I began appreciating the Christmas tree for another reason. I begin to connect the full and beautiful Christmas tree to the stark and painful Easter tree. To connect the birth of Jesus to the death of Jesus on the cross. So as much as there may be magic in the Christmas tree, there is power in the Easter tree. Because you see that, that beautiful baby never came to earth to be a baby. He came to earth to be a savior. He came so that one day, right outside of Jerusalem, a beautiful tree would be stripped down to two beams. And on those two beams, the man who came as the sacred baby lived out the prophecy written of him some 700 years before by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 53, this is from the message paraphrase. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum, but the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he, he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him. 
that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. So I'll I, I leave you with this. In light of God's great love, wh where have you been? Where are you going? There's a line in Amazing Grace, and it goes like this. We all know it. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Really, really, for many of us, that is our story. Now, the details of the lost may be different. And the degree of being found may be different too, but for many of us, that is why we're here today and not someplace else. There's plenty of other places to be, but we're here. We're here because somewhere along the journey, many of us found our way home. You know, I, I sometimes get very nostalgic when I can't really recover the magic that I had when I was a kid. But my inability to conjure up a, a long lost feeling of sugar plums and snowflakes doesn't change the fact that the real magic of God's love continues. The real magic of a simple God coming to earth in silence so that he could begin his journey to a tree so that the loving magic of life would win out over the dark magic of death. That's love. That's love this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Father, we are reminded this time of year of your gracious love for us and the power of that love. We are also exposed to this beautiful fact that at this time of year, in our secular space, we can hear the name of Jesus. They can be lighting the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center and singing, O Holy Night. Father, that is a beautiful and powerful reality. And we thank you that we are living in the midst of it. Now, I pray that we might take this time during these weeks to remember you and to reflect upon your grace. For Father, you loved us with a perfect love. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Oppenheisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.